Thank you for purchasing this audio product. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We believe that your faith will increase and your life changed by applying the principles in this teaching. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift it up for Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We honor you. Oh, there is no God like my God. Wow. Wow, what a God we serve. Oh, my goodness. Just shut your eyes in the presence of the King of Kings. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Father God, I surrender to your love. Father, I pray that as I speak, love would speak. Do a work today that will mark your people forever. Father, do what only you can do, I pray. And now with your eyes shut, if you just put your hand on your heart. And I want you to pray from your heart, boldly. If you just say, Holy Spirit of truth, my heart is open to you. Shine your light into the depths of my heart and reveal those issues that have been holding me back. Do something new in me that will bring glory to Jesus. I give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's such a joy to be with you here. You know, um, I, 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 I loved your pastors when I first met them. We met, we really bonded on a TBN set in Atlanta, Georgia. But I've just keep falling in love with them whenever I get time with them. And I, I just thank God for the gifts that he's given you in this house. And it's, it's, it's a privilege and a joy to be able to be here today and to serve here in this house. I love you. I love your family. I love what you stand for. I love your values. And I learn every time you open your mouth. So thank you. And, um, you know, the Bible says give honor when honor is due. So I just want you to put your hands together for Jesus, for the lives of your apostle, your pastor. Just thank God right now for a moment for the gift that they are in this house. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. How many of you, you know whose image you're made in? Whose image are you made in? God's. God is great. You know, Islam tried to steal that line, but we took it back, didn't we? God is great. Our God is so great and you are made in his image. And you know, we all know, in fact, I think I got saved with that scripture that says, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you 
not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That's like God saying, I've got great plans for you. Amen. God has great plans for you. He wants you to rise up in your sphere of influence. He wants you to become the very, very greatest version of yourself that you can be. That's his passion for you. But let me tell you something. God has a plan for you, but let me tell you someone else who does. See, Jesus came to give you life. An abundant life. Do you know what? Your purpose is the only place where you will feel truly happy. Your purpose is your place of fulfillment. And Jesus came to give you that abundant life of purpose. But you see, the devil came to steal, kill and destroy And he's always looking for ways to try and steal our destiny from us. Are you hearing me? I remember once hearing Joyce Meyer make a statement and she said this. You know, there's times when people say things and they resonate. And she said this. She said that she believes that only 10% of the body of Christ ever truly fulfill their God-given destiny. You know, when I heard that statement, two prayers went up from my heart. The first was, oh Lord, let me fulfill every ounce. Let me be part of that 10%. How many of you, you want to fulfill every ounce of your potential, your God-given destiny? But a second prayer went up from my heart and it was this, Lord, Would you use me to help as many people as possible to be part of that 10%? And I truly believe that that is the mandate that God has given me, is to help remove the obstacles that get in the way of the purposes of God. I want to talk today about a man that God chose. You know, he's a good, good father. Scripture says even you being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. I mean, how much more does your heavenly father give good gifts? You know, he never gives you anything that isn't good for you. And when God chooses A man or a woman, he does it out of love for you. You know, I remember when God showed me, you see, he will raise someone up. Not because they're special, but because his people are special. And he wants someone who can minister to his special people. And so God chose this man. And I want to introduce you to this man. And in 1 Samuel 9 verse 2 is our first in, yay! I love that. I love the way you celebrate the Word of God. It's awesome. We need to take that home, Marilyn, don't we? So in 1 Samuel 9 verse 2, we're introduced to this man. And it says he, and that's speaking of Kish, his father who was mentioned in the verse before, had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. 
There was not a more handsome person than he among all the children of Israel. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. Now there was a day when I read this scripture. You know how sometimes you can read a verse and you see it in a way you've never seen it before. And I read it and it disturbed me. And I remember saying, God, I've got a bone to pick with you. And I really, I started to talk to God from my heart because he's my counsellor. He's my mentor. He's my good shepherd. So he's my pastor. And so I said, I need you to teach me. Because you see, when God introduces us to someone in Scripture, He chooses His words carefully. And, and I said, God, why would you pick someone for their looks? Why? I said, I need to hear from you, Lord. And I felt the good pleasure of the Lord. I felt him saying to me, yes, Joe, dig, dig. And so I started to dig. I looked in all the translations that I would normally turn to. And they all said the same. And I felt this in my spirit. Keep digging, Joe. Keep digging, Joe. And then I looked it up in the Hebrew. This word handsome. In that passage is a Hebrew word tob. It appears 569, I think it is, times in the Old Testament. Over 500 times that that word appears, it is translated either good or goodlier or best or better. Twice. It's translated beautiful. No other time in Scripture is this word translated handsome. Why? You see, God writes Scripture, but men translate it. I honestly believe that they translated that word handsome because they couldn't square it up. They're looking at the word. They're looking at it and they're going, no, but Saul was the baddie. Saul was the enemy. Saul got it wrong. He can't have been a good guy. Listen to me. But you see, then I found Young's literal translation. I want you to see it for yourself. Because it says, and he hath a son. Young's literal just takes the Hebrew and puts it into English. So sometimes it, it, it's very hard to understand. He hath a son. His name is Saul. A choice youth and goodly. And there is not a man among the sons of Israel goodlier than he. And yeah, he was tall. You see, Saul had a good heart. Are you hearing me? Saul had a good heart. God picks people with a good heart. He picks us while we're in a mess, but he sees our heart and he sees our potential. And he says, I know who you can become. Others have never believed in you, but I know you. I know who you really are. Others see the trimmings. Others see our height, our stature, our looks. But God says, I see a heart. And that's why he picked Saul. 
because he loved his people. So he was God's choice. He had a good heart. And then he was given this prophetic word by the most accurate prophet that ever walked the earth. Not a word he spoke fell to the ground. Given a word. And that word was very clear. 1 Samuel 9, 16 to 17. Tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be commander over my people. Oh, God always knew these are mine and I want to give them the best that he may serve my people, save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I've looked upon my people, their cries come to me. And so when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Now I want you to hear how Saul responded. And I want to ask you for a moment. You know, when, when someone comes to you and they say, you know what? God's hands on your life. I want to raise you up. How do you respond deep inside? What's the, the, what's the heart answer before your mouth speaks? You know, if right now I was to hand you the microphone and say, come here, share. How many of you go, oh, not me? No, why? And sometimes it's the very same heart issue that says, please give me the mic, I need the mic. Same heart issue. But you see, this is Saul's reaction. He had a good heart. 1 Samuel 9, verse 21, second part, he says, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak to me like this? He's saying, why, why are you trying to pick me? Do you not know who I am? Why would you pick me? I'm small. I haven't got it. I'm not enough. He felt inadequate. He felt like he didn't measure up to everyone else. You know what? We can be tall on the outside, but feel very small on the inside. You know, I, women, we can plaster makeup on and look great and on the inside be feeling like we're nothing. You see, Saul was God's choice. He chose that man because he had a good heart. But he had issues. Do you know what? It's okay to have issues as long as we do something with them. It's okay. You know, the day came. I want you just to imagine this. When Samuel was about to announce the king to all the people. And he had the whole of Israel gathered together. And then he did it in this really dramatic way. You know, first he separates the house of Benjamin. And then he separates, you know, each tribe. And then eventually it reaches 
Kish's family. And they say, and now we're going to present to you your king. You imagine that drum roll. Everyone's looking, excitement. But they, they couldn't find him. They could not find Saul. This is Bible. I mean, imagine it. They had Samuel, you know, I'll often say to people, look, if you're filling out a form, please print your name clearly because we don't want to have to use a word of knowledge to decipher your handwriting. You know, thank God for the advent of computers. You know, but, but really, Samuel's now having to use this prophetic gift. They had to inquire of the Lord. Where is Saul? Everyone's waiting and he's hiding. He's hiding behind the equipment. Imagine how stupid he must have felt on his big day. He's hiding. He's just feeling so inadequate, I'm sure. That's the, that's the language of inadequacy. Why me? No, 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 not me. And he was hiding behind the equipment. You see, this is the thing. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says this. It says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. Do you know what? I am so grateful to God for that scripture. Anyone ever here felt like you are foolish? Anyone ever felt like you don't measure up? You know what? I thank God for that scripture because that says God's looking for people who've got nothing in themselves. He's looking for people who say, me, what have I got to give? He chooses us in the midst of our foolishness, our brokenness, our weakness. But let me ask you a question. How on earth can someone who is foolish confound someone who's wise? It's because they get transformed. You see, the fool suddenly has this work of God on the inside. And that fool who once only ever spouted foolishness, now suddenly there's stuff coming out of them that no one ever could have believed. He chooses us when we're foolish, but he expects us to allow God to transform us. God has a requirement from us because he says you know what I, I don't need you you know we all hear, hear that thing where you know it, the, people say you know he doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called he's not looking for ability he's looking for availability uh, yes but you know he's also looking for people who have a heart that say, God, I don't care what it takes. 
I will allow you to do a work inside of me and change me into someone that you can use for your glory. You know, the day I rededicated my life to the Lord, the way I rededicated my life, I said, God, I don't know how anything good could ever come out of me. Nothing. I'm a, I'm a mess, a waste of space. I said, but God, if you want me, you can have me. You see, he's just looking for people who say, I'm here if you want me. But then those who will say, I'm not going to jump off the potter's wheel until you've finished doing what you need to do in me. You see, let me tell you what happened to Saul. He felt like he was nothing. And you see, what do we do when we feel insecure? Insecure is based on fear. Inadequacy is based on this horrible sense on the inside of not being enough. And when we feel like that, we reach out for something to make us feel stable. And you see, it's all, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. Oh my goodness, they're all cheering. And then he thought, oh my goodness, they're all cheering. And he said, oh, that feels good. And bit by bit, people started to celebrate King Saul. You know, even those who at the beginning were thinking, why this guy? Even those ones after a few months were like, whoa, Saul, great king, great choice. And so that vacuum on the inside of King Saul that felt that he didn't qualify, that felt ashamed of his roots. He fed himself up. Okay, <laughs> say it again, will you? <laughs> and before he knew it, this man that God chose, who had a good heart, who loved the Lord, God wouldn't choose someone who didn't love him. This man who loved the Lord with all his heart, He just became addicted to the approval of people. You know, I, I, I think the reason I read his story and understood it so well was because he was telling my story. Let me tell you something. Every sad story in Scripture is told so that you can tell a different story. Don't ever gloss over the disasters that you go, oh my goodness, that's gross, that's terrible, that's awful. Read them and say, God, what am I supposed to learn here? You see, I, I grew up without much affirmation, in a, in a vacuum of, of approval and love. And I never felt like I was enough. I always felt like I was just someone people had to tolerate rather than celebrate. And then when I was 16, I sat my first external exams, public exams, and I did really well. I remember reading that list of results and going, wow. And then suddenly, my dad, Joe, I'm proud of you. And different people going, did you hear Joe's results? Because all my schooling, it was like, could do better, could do better, and then suddenly did good. And I remember that made me feel good. It was like I tasted a drug. And I liked it. I liked the way it made me feel. 
two years later, my next public exams, same thing. Went to university, success, same. Before I knew it, without even realizing, I'd become a success junkie. I mean, any job title, any promotion. Do you know, I remember Apostle when I moved from working for Prince Charles as, as, as one of the senior people and I would have meetings in his sitting room and I ran events at Buckingham Palace with the Queen, the Prime Minister, leaders of opposition, celebrities. When I gave up that job and took a new job, paid so much more. I mean, I was headhunted, but no one had heard of the world's biggest PR company. And so I'd say, oh yeah, I, I, I'm a board director for Shandwick, for Weber Shandwick, but I used to work for the Prince's Trust. I still had to use the last job because the new job didn't make me feel so good. Even being called pastor made me feel like I had some worth. And the worst of all, oh my goodness, who defines people by what their husbands do? It doesn't happen. Oh my goodness, any time I got introduced as this is Joe, she's my pastor's wife, I'd be like, no. You see, I didn't understand what was going on inside. So instead of admitting the truth, which is, you just made me feel so small, I would feel angry. And I'd really quickly give you a lot. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I was ministering in Ghana, you know, a month ago. The power of God fell. The prophetic was strong. And oh, yes, I'm off to Europe next week. Because I just needed people to think I was, I, I would know how to prompt compliments. When I preached, when people said, wow, great word. I would go, oh, I would feed on it. But let me tell you something. If people's praises can build you up, then their criticism will tear you to pieces. If their words make you feel like you're enough, if their words, if status and position give you a sense of validation, then what happens if you lose your job? Why would a successful businessman enter into depression when they lose their business? You see, it's just a symptom that there's all these wounds on the inside. King Saul, he was a good man with a good heart, but he never realised that he was turning to people as his fix rather than to the Lord God. And so he did really well for a couple of years. Let me tell you, my brother, my sister, you can succeed for a while. But you know what? We can never fulfill our God-given potential until we really know who we are and whose we are. Apostle, I remember the day when I stopped saying, God, raise me up. I stopped and I started saying, oh my God, get me ready. So that when you do, ministering to the multitudes doesn't change my value of me. 
You see, I've got to be able to minister to thousands upon thousands and to tens and twenties or to one. I know that none of that changes who I am. You know, one of the reasons why some people struggle to really serve, to really serve. You see, if you already feel like you're a nothing, if you already feel like a doormat, then serving someone is just going to confirm your low self-worth. Most pride, I believe, is rooted in inferiority. Because we try and be something because we think we're nothing. You see, Saul, he did well for a while, but he never said, God, I'm hurting inside. He thought he even had to hide the truth from God. You see, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He already knows how you feel, so it's okay to tell him. The day came when Saul panicked. Why did he panic? See, he's got the Philistines. He's got a word. I'm going to use you to defeat the Philistines. But the Philistines are all around and the people. Oh my goodness, the people now. Oh, we're not sure about Saul anymore. If people go, I'm not sure about you, you're worth. Oh, why did you promote her? If that starts you churning on the inside, God wants to do a work. And, and, And he's just like, no. And when Samuel said, what have you done? In 1 Samuel 13, 11, Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me, when I saw they weren't celebrating me anymore, it made me feel like nothing. And then you didn't come. His mentor now, the one he looked to for just give me the nod. And when you nod at me, it's okay. He wasn't there. And so Saul felt compelled. Now listen, 1 Samuel 13 verse 13 says, Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not come the commandment of the Lord, but listen to this. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom in Israel forever. That was God's plan for this boy. He chose this man to establish an everlasting kingdom. I can't read that verse any other way than meaning that the original plan was that we would have worshipped Jesus, son of Saul. I don't know what else an everlasting kingdom is. That's what David then got. And even when eventually it was all ripped from him, again, Saul said, the people, it's the people. And then this day came. You see, like I said, if, if people's approval, if people's praises make you feel approved, then any even hint of rejection will feel like correction. If you can't handle correction, ask the Lord, Father, do a work in my heart. Suddenly a bunch of women start singing a song. Saul's killed his thousands. But David, his tens of thousands. What would have felt like the most amazing sign of success to a secure father 
made a man who felt inadequate feel so small, felt ashamed of himself. You know, if someone else's success makes you feel ashamed of your slow progress, if someone else being promoted or prospering makes you feel under the shadows, God says, I want to do a work in your heart. I want to ask you to stand in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Just shut your eyes in the presence of the Lord. God is shining His light into the depths of your heart right now because He's saying, I want to rise, raise you up, but I want to raise you up to a place where success, prosperity doesn't change who you are, doesn't change your view of your value. And there's some of you in here right now and you feel like you're not enough. You feel that sense on the inside that you just might get found out. But the Lord is saying, I want to do a work in your heart. I want to take out every human fix. Jesus, Lord, right now with your hands raised. You know, Jesus is our wonderful counsellor. Truth is the beginning of transformation. I remember the day when I first realised, oh my God, I feed on people's approval to make me feel enough. I need them to know about status to make me feel enough right now. With your eyes shut, start to talk to the Lord. He already knows the truth. He says, I know you. I know you, I know you through and through. I know you, I even know the reason why you're afraid. There's people in this place and you're so afraid of failing. You're afraid of failing in marriage. You're afraid of failing as a parent. You're afraid of failing in business. You're afraid of failing. And you're afraid of failing because you think that if you fail, it will make you a failure. But the Lord is saying, if you already knew who you are, you are not defined by what you do. You're already in my image. You're already my success. You're already in my image. You're already enough for me. You're already enough. You're already enough. Jesus, Lord, right now, if God has been speaking to you while I have been ministering, just speak to the Lord. Just tell Him how you feel about you. Just tell Him if you realise the title, status, people's affirmation have been a prop in your life. Just talk to me. Talk to me. Oh, my precious child. If you already knew who I've made you to be. If you already knew who you are since the beginning. I've made you to be in eternity. Failing doesn't make you a failure. Jesus. 
Jesus, Lord, reaching to every heart. That fear of failure, that fear of not being enough. Jesus, Lord, reaching. Truth, truth, truth. Oh, talk to me, talk to me. Talk to me, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No human being will ever make you enough. Jacob tried marriage. He tried children. He tried business. And he still felt like he was nothing. And it was only when he stopped seeking human fixes that that man was transformed from Jacob into his destiny name, Israel. He stood in the presence of God and he said, I need you to favour me. Jesus, Lord God, reach into every heart. And right now, with your eyes shut, if you realise there's some prop that you've leaned on to make you feel enough, might be status, might be human approval. Maybe you've realised there's a fear of failure. Right now with your eyes shut, I want you to lift both hands high as a sign of surrender. Anything that you know you have looked to. And with your hands high, as you're lifting them, you're saying, God, I surrender human fixes. Just tell the Lord, Father, take these drugs away. Ask Him to take away every, every human fix. But then ask Him to heal the deep places of your heart. You see, we don't need the drugs when the wounds have been healed. Just in this moment, it's not going to happen in a moment because it's a journey. But right now in this atmosphere, tell the Lord, Father, I'm ready for a journey to wholeness. Speak to me, speak to me, my precious child. It's a new beginning. A new beginning, a new beginning. And as you surrender those fixes, just lift up your eyes right now to the Lord. I lift up my eyes unto the hill and to the Lord from whence my help comes from. And with your eyes lifted, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you make me enough. Thank you, Lord, that I am enough in you. Thank you, Lord, that my DNA is your DNA. Thank you, Lord, that I am complete in you. You Lord. There's a lot of strife falling off your shoulders right now, all the human effort, every attempt to be enough in your own strength. Father, fill each heart, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And make that commitment right now. 
to allow God to continue what he started so that you can fulfill it all. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, I seal the work that you've done this morning. But Lord God, I thank you that this is just part of a journey to restoration. Open our eyes to see what you see. Thank you that when you look at us, you see the apple of your eye. I want you to put your hands together for the one who designed you in your his image, for the one who's made you enough, for the one who knows you like no one else knows you, for the one who's for you. Oh, what an awesome God we serve. For more information on products, please visit our website or send us an email. All the details are on the back of the product pack.